Blog Talk Radio. It's that time, America. Your very own nationally award-winning family radio talk show. Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton is set to air now. We feature the trending news stories, the timely interviews you want to hear, and the hottest music in the industry. This show truly is news talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned in to quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. The broadcast begins now, now, now. Well, good Tuesday evening to you, and welcome to your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton. Now, of course, I am Shana, and I am excited and elated with joy that you have opted to join us live this Tuesday night. It is Thanksgiving week, and I want to wish you happy Thanksgiving. Now, the very big holiday is this very Thursday, and I trust that you will have a great and festive Thanksgiving with your family and friends. 2016 will be over very soon because time is flying. Now, it's Tuesday night, and we are set to broadcast. Now, I hope you know that Let's Talk America Radio is a national award-winning family radio program that offers news talk for every single member of your household, regardless of age or generation. Now, over the past three years, we've had the amazing opportunity to be on air where we presented the exclusive interviews on so many topics with so many leading experts, advocates, and celebrity guests that are out there. Now, we do highlight the topics that concern you uh, concerning health, law, politics, education, pop culture, music, and so much more. And we thank you so much for sticking with us. If this is your very first broadcast, stay with us. I think you will be impressed. Now, right now, if you're on social media in any form, please hashtag LTA Radio. Please hashtag LTA Radio, all caps, lowercase. It doesn't matter. And let your family, friends, colleagues, even your next-door neighbor know that you are tuned in right now. We're out there on Snapchat. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Google+. We're on Pinterest. You name it, we're out there. So hashtag LTA Radio, and we can find you that way. And we do follow back to let you know. Well, we're set for one awesome brief show tonight. Now, Politics may not be your favorite topic, but it certainly impacts your life on a local and national level. Now, as many of you know by now, President-elect Donald Trump will take the oath of office in January 2017. We will talk presidential politics with popular political science professor Dr. William Boone. Now, this conversation is for the entire household. And lastly, popular visual artist Eric McRae joins us tonight to discuss art and defying labels. You want to stay with us for this, and I would encourage you to bring in your youth to hear this very timely conversation. Now, remember, we offer the news stories and topics that define our time. And for more information about Let's Talk America Radio, I would recommend you visit our website at www.ltaradio.com. Again, our website is easy to navigate. You're going to love this website. It's www.ltaradio.com. Well, our signature in the news will air next, and that's where we highlight the top trending news of the hour. And it's been a very busy 24 hours. You know, we love timely news, great talk, and also phenomenal music. And tonight, I am excited to present a world debut here on this program, Music of Gospel Hip Hop Artist Exalts. 
Exalt. His music will air tonight, so you want to certainly stay tuned in. Well, everyone, right now, message all of your family, friends, colleagues, whoever you know on your smartphone, on your favorite app, on your phone, whatever it is, let them know that LTA Radio is broadcasting now, and we're delivering the news stories they want to know more about. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. We offer news, talk, and music. Do you want the youth in your life to be on the right financial path? Then please go and purchase my amazing, phenomenal book, Green is the Thing, Money Management for Kids. It is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble websites. Also, please do not forget to hit me up on my social media. Go like me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tyreek Wynn fan page. Go follow me on Instagram at Tyreek Wynn underscore author. And go follow me on Twitter at Tyreek Wynn author. And Tyreek Wynn is T-Y-R-I-K-W-Y-N-N. Hey, this is Leslie. I'm really enjoying the show. Let's Talk America keeps you in the know. Hi, my name is Tina Harrell, and I just love listening to Shana Thornton on Let's Talk America. It's wonderful. Please keep it going, Shana. Hi, I'm Yolanda, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Let's keep it going. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, I'd be remiss if I did not thank Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton's national partners and sponsors. Your support truly is priceless. Now, if you're with an organization and you're interested in discussing ways of innovative collaborations, please contact us by shooting us an email at admin at ltaradio.com. Again, shoot us an email at admin at ltaradio.com. We look forward to it. I'd be remiss, of course, if I did not thank our dedicated weekly listeners. Your support means everything. Thank you for tuning in and also for sharing our great news with your family, friends, and colleagues. We're getting the feedback, and we certainly appreciate it, okay? And thank you for those who have smartphones and also other electronic devices such as a laptop or desktop, many of you go back and listen to our replay podcast. And if you're ever interested in listening to a show again or one specific segment of a show, visit blogtalkradio.com and simply search Let's Talk America Radio or catch us on iTunes if you have an Apple device. Well, it is now time for Let's Talk America's signature in the news, and this one we highlight the top trending news of the hour. Now, a quick friendly reminder that Let's Talk America Radio has collaborated with the one and only SCBTV 182 on the Charter Network out of Georgia, and there we present the televised edition up in the news. So watch our news, okay? Visit LTARadio.com and simply click on the Vimeo link, and there you can view it as many times as you like. Do stay informed. We are set to deliver the latest news now on In the News. In the news, deadly bus crash. A bus carrying 35 students ranging from kindergarten through fifth grade turned over on its side and struck a tree in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Monday. A spokesperson for the Hamilton County District Attorney's Office confirmed the death toll of six. Five children died at the scene and one passed away at the hospital. Twenty-three total victims were transported to a local hospital. Investigators have said that driving conditions were clear and dry. The bus driver was arrested and will face criminal charges. We will keep you posted as more details emerge about this tragic accident. In the news, travel alert issued. The U.S. State Department issued a travel alert this week urging U.S. nationals to exercise caution at holiday festivals and events in Europe in the coming weeks. 
Now, this alert just comes one day after French security services stopped an ISIS-linked plot. The French government made several major arrests based off of its investigation. And finally, in the news, popular musician hospitalized. Best-selling musician Kanye West is now under observation at a Los Angeles hospital following an abrupt cancellation of his concert tour earlier this week. Rumors suggest that the rapper is being treated for exhaustion at a UCLA medical center. Now, according to reports, the decision to hospitalize West came after Los Angeles police responded to a disturbance call at his residence. West's concert promoter Live Nation confirmed that the remaining dates of his San Pablo tour have been called off. Now, this cancellation does come several days after West's bizarre behavior during concert performances have occurred. We will keep you posted as more details emerge. Well, everyone, this concludes this week's edition of In the News. But stay with us. If you're a news junkie or you simply like to be informed, join us on Twitter, okay? Our handle on Twitter is S.S. Thornton. Our handle on Twitter is S-S-T-H-O-R. R-N-T-O-N, and there we share breaking news stories 24 hours a day. You're going to love it. Well, everyone, we will be back on in seconds, and we will be featuring an exclusive conversation about the breakdown of the 2016 presidential election. Do you have questions? How did certain groups vote, and perhaps why? Our in-house expert is the one and only political science professor at Clark Atlanta University, Dr. William Boone. We'll be back in seconds. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio, where we offer news, talk, and music. I'm LaAngela from the Atlanta metro area, and I listen to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. My name is Shana. I'm four years old, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Welcome back, everyone, to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio Show. This is our Tuesday Live broadcast. Well, we're now in our inspirational corner, and this is where we highlight a motivational or encouraging quote for you to continue along your productive week. And tonight's quote comes from the one and only award-winning poet Maya Angelou, who once said, My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Again, award-winning poet Maya Angelou once said, My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. You know, I think that statement speaks for itself. You have an amazing life to live and make it count. You want to thrive and you want to certainly have some compassion for others and also laugh along the way. Why not? Okay. So I hope you have one productive and hilarious and worthwhile week, everyone. It's Thanksgiving, so hopefully you are ready to see family and friends. Let us know what you're going to be doing this Thanksgiving. What are your plans? Are you traveling? Staying at home? Are you going out to a restaurant? Tweet us, okay? Connect with us on Twitter. S.S. Thornton is our handle there on Twitter. Well, speaking of Twitter and uh, breaking news stories, we're going to break down the 2016 presidential election. It happened two weeks ago on November the 8th. And can you believe it? Time is flying already. In a few weeks, our new president, President-elect Donald Trump, will take the oath of office January the 20th, 2017 to be exact. We're going to talk about the politics of the White House over the years and where it stands now. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. Hi, this is Shirley, and we just love listening to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. Hi, my name is Kavarga, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Hi, my name is Nicole Dodd, and I'm tuning in every Tuesday at 7.30 to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. This is Audrey, and I'm listening to Let's Talk America with Shana Thornton. This is such an 
is Atlanta-based gospel singer Davina Williams. You can find me at www.davinawilliams.wix.com slash gospel singer. And you are listening to Let's Talk America with host Shane Thornton. Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton. It is Tuesday night, and we are putting the spotlight on the 2016 presidential election. Of course, many individuals are continuing to talk about what happened on November the 8th and where we are right now, because politics, of course, does influence our daily lives, not just on the presidential level, but also the local level. Now, I am no expert at politics, but I'm so excited and honored right now to have a friend of the show back on, the one and only Dr. William Boone. He's professor of political science at Clark Atlanta University out of Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Boone, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks for the invitation. Good to be back. Thank you, sir. Now, let's dive right into it. Uh, as you know, the night of the election, we had you and other individuals on, and they offered their take on who would likely take the election. And I say this, not saying this, of, of saying I told you so, because um, I don't think I knew either way, but all of the experts, such as yourself, said that Hillary Clinton would be the 45th president. We're here right. now, as we know. Donald Trump is president-elect. How did we get here, Dr. Boone? Well, we got here because a couple of things. Uh, there was a mis well, actually, the Clinton people miscalculated what they had to do, the so-called Rust Belt, and they miscalculated the depth of uh, division and alienation felt by people who used to be Democrats, union members, former union members, uh, suburban white women. They just missed that, so and those folk went for Trump. And so that, that that was the problem because, as you know, the Democratic base, the other part of that base, African Americans, okay. uh, those who turned out voted heavily for Clinton, uh, Latinos who also are part of that base went heavily for Clinton. So there was a problem of not uh, being able to pick up places like Pennsylvania, places like Michigan. Yeah, that's that was the problem. Well, now let's talk about the numbers because as of uh, recently, ABC News has released that the mm -hmm. current popular vote, okay, that Hillary Clinton has over Donald Trump exceeds 1.5 million votes. Now, if we have listeners on right now that happen to be President-elect Trump's uh, fans or if they happen to be uh, Secretary Hillary Clinton's fans, the reality is, of course, according to the popular vote, who actually is casting votes, she won. It seems very clear, uh, yet she was not elected president. Now, we know we have something in our uh, Democratic Republic, uh, I'm thinking I'm, I'm getting that right, uh, system, where we go by Electoral College, Dr. Boone. The Electoral right. College dictated um, that he wins because it's the first that gets to 270, am I right? You need 270 votes, right. Wow, so, but she did win, and you know for a lot of our young listeners, a lot of young voters, and they listen to the show, they give their opinion. The millennials, uh, even some Generation Xers who are in their 30s now, are saying, hey, they were voting for the first time or maybe the second time in a presidential election, and they say, here's my voice, and then they're saying, wait a minute, so maybe the person I voted for didn't win. I think President Barack Obama said it recently. In a democracy, you don't always get what you want, but then they're saying, but if majority of the people voted for her, how come she's not president? She's not president because back in 1787, when they were pulling together the American Constitution, they inserted a piece here called the Electoral College. And that device was put in to ensure 
that the election would be, I'm sorry, the election of president would be uh, confined to a small number of people. Uh, it was done deliberately. It was done as a compromise for the South. It was done as a compromise for the smaller states. And because you had a constitution at that point, and a country at that point that was dominated primarily by white males, that was uh, the idea. So that meant that the state legislatures, or those folk who, who were members of the state legislature, got to select the folk who became the Electoral College. Every state is assigned so many Electoral College votes, rather, depending on the number of folk they have in Congress. So what you have this time, of course, is that even though you may win the states with the larger populations, yes. if you bring together a good number of smaller states, you can still overcome that uh, electoral advantage. So you know, my happens. question to you, and you're the political expert, of course. You've spent many mm -hmm. years covering lots of local and national yeah. political issues, I know. Is the Electoral College at this point obsolete? Because there's a lot of chatter out there on social media where um, there's a petition going around, from my understanding, right. uh, they have over 500,000 signatures of trying to mm. change it. Um, I think at this point, I know there's some individuals saying they're trying to get things out, but Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States. But for someone that did vote for him, or someone that didn't vote for him, right? Because I have met individuals who did support him, but they're saying it may be time to revamp the Electoral College system. Uh, do you think that likely? I think it's not likely that, well, let's put it this way, I think there's a great deal of pressure now to do that, because this is the second time it's happened in 16 years or so. So it, it is, it is a, great deal, there's a great deal of pressure. Uh, remember now, you must, you must step back and look at it very closely, because in previous elections, uh, the Electoral College has given advantage to some groups that are considered uh, minority groups. Okay. If you live in certain areas, like let's say you live in Chicago and Illinois, yes. the Cook County vote, which is predominantly black or can be predominantly black, can sometimes tip the scales as to who wins the electoral votes of that state because okay. you only need a plurality, not a majority of the votes, to take all of the state's electoral votes. So one has to think about it. But certainly there is a call here. Uh, to, to make this thing a little more democratic and a little more representative of the people. But America is so divided now. It's a divisive, very divided country, divided racially, it's divided culturally, and even urban versus rural. So all of these divisions may well mean if you go to a one person, one vote for the president, you may wind up with a stalemate depending on how it's constructed. I see. Now, let's talk about what occurred during the election. As you said uh, so yourself so eloquently, it was very divisive. The country obviously is very divided because, of course, I just said that Secretary Clinton at this point has uh, what they're saying exceeding 1.5 million mm -hmm. votes over Donald Trump and people that actually cast the votes, not necessarily with the Electoral College, of course. But they're saying there are rumors that the Democratic Party is in disarray at this point, okay? There's also rumors on the other side that the transition team for President-elect Donald Trump is in disarray. Now, as far as the Democratic side of the House, there are many that are saying maybe it's time uh, for some leadership change with uh, Nancy Pelosi wanting perhaps there – I know there's someone who's trying to run for uh, being ahead, of course um, – 
of the group for the House of Representatives. Now, Charles Schumer out of New York, okay, very well-known elected official, um, recently came out publicly saying that Donald Trump's win is not a mandate, and he's going back, of course, pointing at the popular votes that Hillary Clinton had, saying it's not a mandate for anything, and he's vowing that he will not approve things that he sees out of touch with the American values. Now, he did win, obviously, but we know the popular vote belongs to her. What lessons can the Democratic Party learn from any of this? What the, what the Democrats didn't learn, I mean, the early lesson that idea was that Democrats had lost and lost contact with their base. Uh, to some extent, that's right. What, what they really have to do is understand that in states, the so-called Rust Belt states, those states that have lost manufacturing, okay. those states that have lost jobs and mining, that those states are the states they probably need to pay more attention to. It's, it, this, it came really down to almost a kind of strategy and tactic kind of thing. To they ignored those states, went to other states to campaign, and assumed that they had that vote. But they, but but that was their problem, and that meant that they lost the let's say white suburban women, uh, a great many white uh, um, union workers, both okay. present and former members. So they have to revamp and think about what they're out of touch. I don't think they they should remember though that within their party they did win the popular vote, and that's, that's, that's a plus. That is something to draw that's to draw Suma's that's point. That's a plus, um, yeah. As you know, um, and you, I'm sure you may have heard this by now, uh, Van Jones, very popular uh, political yeah. commentator who's with CNN and I believe other outlets, um, the night of the election, it went viral, a, a speech or mm-hmm. he was releasing his feelings of saying that um, part of what happened was backlash of white America. Yeah, white lash, you call yes, it. Yes, okay. So, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's correct. I think because certainly the articulation by a good many folk uh, who voted for Trump had more to do with something called white nationalism, a, okay. think, a thought that they think that immigrants, who usually people of color, are folk who are taking over their jobs and undermining American values. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, the call by Trump to make America great again, okay. I think – it, w- it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take someone beyond the 12th grade to understand that was a call, let's make America white again. And I think when you look at the – and I think to your point, I think when you look at the demographics, it really speaks yeah. for himself, correct? I mean, because, uh, of course, not no one of them got all, but, I mean, overwhelmingly majority of minorities did vote for Secretary Clinton, correct? Yeah, they voted for Clinton. Yeah. They voted for Clinton. And, and, and because remember also that Obama never really won the majority of the white vote in his two outings. Okay. So, so the Democratic Party has been losing the white vote for quite a while. This time it just really came up to bite them. Well, now let's move forward on the Republican side of the House. Of course, their candidate won, but you and I both know a lot of the coverage in the news during the election or the primary season and general election campaign that the RNC wasn't necessarily uh, excited about Donald mm. Trump. Now he's uh, the go-to guy. The RNC chair, as you know, has been named chief of staff uh, for mm. the Trump administration. Uh, are there any points you think that the Republican Party would take from this? Because you have in many individuals saying the establishment uh, was not crazy about him, didn't overwhelmingly come out and support him, as we saw, but he did win. Does that make them uh, huge fans of Trump, or are they playing the game, from your opinion? I think, I think those in the elected office are playing the game. Okay. And I think they're, they're moving in that direction because they want to give the impression that the party is now unifying. But you also notice that folk who are not in the elected office who label themselves as Republicans have still stood back from him. 
Of course, Romney went over and sort of kissed the ring, so to speak, <laughs> but uh, the rest have not. But I think what they're trying to do is to show some kind of unity within the party because I, you, you look at it very closely. The, the leader of the, the Republican leader in the Senate, the Republican leader in the House, uh, both were lukewarm on this. And there are certain issues that they definitely disagree with Trump on based upon his campaign rhetoric, especially in the area of trade. Uh, they are not prepared to ditch all trade agreements because that is the Republican mantra. Free trade is what they've always clamored for okay. because that services a lot of their multinational clients. I see. Let's go into uh, the administration of uh, President-elect Trump. So far, we've seen some nominations. Uh, one person that doesn't have to be confirmed, from my understanding, is his uh, chief strategist, right? And talking about Stephen right. Bannon, uh, let's talk about him. There's been some controversy surrounding him. He once ran a website um, that it was known to, from many's perspective, to express some extreme views about individuals of the Islam faith. I think once he even said what some saw as an insensitive statement about individuals of Jewish faith. Uh, do you think the American people care? Well, I, I think they care, but I think it depends on which element, which side of the American uh, house you're talking okay. about. Clearly, a good many folk who voted for Trump feel that questions about race, questions about uh, religious tolerance, and, and questions about sex and gender are questions that have been that those values have been trampled by the by the particularly by the Obama administration and others, but and they feel that Trump is going to restore those values. So Bannon's extreme rhetoric on these questions it is extreme. It is extreme. I think people should be very very uh, aware of how extreme this fellow is. Uh, yeah, they they may think that there may be some moderation there, but they do believe that there's a need to go back. So I'm not quite certain that they're all that upset with Bannon being in, in Trump's ear. Now, and let's go to someone that does need confirmation, correct, uh, from the yes. Senate. That would be his attorney general. And as we know, Senator from Alabama, Jeff Sessions, uh, as of over the weekend himself, has created a lot of controversy with uh, his nomination, his name being thrown around. Civil rights groups overwhelmingly have come out against him, um, stating that uh, some believe he is racist. Now, it's gotten coverage. I guess you do have a valid point. It depends on what side of the House politically someone stands on. But um, here is a gentleman. He's saying that he is a proponent of civil rights. Of course, civil rights groups disagree with him. Yeah. Um, your take on all of this? Well, I think Jeff Sessions has been nominated by Trump and the Trump inner circle, the Trump transition team is pushing forward on that because Sessions certainly is one person who's going to try to deal with this whole question of immigration. He's also one person who agrees with Trump's thing about law and order. Uh, so I think there's, some need, there's a need for concern by the groups that have expressed concern because uh, – Quite frankly, Sessions has a 30-year history of, of not necessarily being uh, very um, sensitive to the needs of folk of color. I mean, his record in Alabama, his record when he served in, his, in the, in the um, as Attorney General, Federal Attorney General, for, for, sorry, Federal Attorney, all of these things point to a fellow who's out of touch with uh, what uh, people of color are about and the change in demographics in the country. And he's been trying to deny these for 30 years. 
You know, when we look at the nominations thus far, and I recognize clearly we are early in the process. We are. Of course, he will take the oath of office for the U.S. president on January the 20th of 2017. Mm -hmm. But we're starting to see the list out. Now, uh, so far, the list doesn't look very racially diverse, Dr. Boone. Now, do do you think that possibly could change? Well, I don't know. We've got a lot more nominations to go, a lot more appointments to make. But thus far, it seems to be just really... Uh, really white fellows, white men. And interestingly enough, most of these white men are from Washington, inside the beltway, so to speak, <laughs> which makes it very difficult to talk about draining the swamp. But but get to your point. No, at the moment we see no women, we see no people of color, so we have to wait and see at some point. Uh, if if indeed we don't see any, then I think we have another 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 message being sent to those folk who uh, thought that he would be fair, that is, Trump. You know, um, and, and I do want to point out the name of Governor Nikki Haley out of South Carolina has been tossed around as Secretary yeah. of State, but I have no validation that that is more than just rumors from my understanding. Let's go into some of the supporters, of course, the millions of people that did vote for our President-elect Trump. As you know, he talked about building a, building a wall between the United States and Mexico. Okay, he also talked about um, other immigration restrictions, making it mm-hmm. extremely uh, difficult. Let's go here. Will if well, I guess the first question: Do you believe, as a political scientist, that any of those things will actually come to be? I don't think you're going to have the kind of wall that some folk have, have have envisioned. It'll probably be a few more miles of wall, probably more fences than anything else, uh, barbed wire fences, that kind of thing. It's not going to happen. You're talking about billions and billions of dollars. I see. Like, well, how are you going to pay for that? That's the first problem. But okay. I do think that they're going to try to make it very difficult. Uh, for immigrants, and I think that you're going to find uh, that folk who were had breathed a sigh of relief under the uh, sort of dream bill that Obama's uh, executive order is going to be uh, rescinded, and they're going to find it difficult. They may find themselves having to make some hard decisions about whether or not to stay here or return primarily to Mexico. So, but when we talk about the wall and when we talk about other things that he has proposed, uh, President uh, Donald Trump, of course, a president-elect Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, there are many people that found those things very extreme. But you're saying, for instance, I know he also said to CBS recently that there may be some fencing and not necessarily yeah. a wall between Mexico and the United States, as he once proposed, opposite of what he said months ago. Do you think those supporters, those who voted for him, will hold him to the T or no? No. I really don't. Okay. I, I think most don't believe that a real wall was going to be built. I think they like the idea and the symbolism of the whole thing, that he I wants see. to come down and be tough on immigrants. It's more the symbolic nature of what he was saying. Let me talk about the symbolism of it, because mm-hmm. as we know, there were millions and millions that did vote for him, and of course millions and millions that voted for Secretary Clinton. Um, but this is a psychology of it from a perspective, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a billionaire. He's very wealthy. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly he's been wealthy uh, most of his life, all of his mm-hmm. life from my understanding, okay? The individuals that voted for him, I know we're talking about blue collar, we're talking about a lot of union workers, um, we're talking about the core of uh, um, the middle uh, Midwest America, Right. What do they see in common with Donald Trump? Uh, a young man at one point who spent most of his life in private or boarding or military schools, who, um, of course, uh, was in real estate making million-dollar deals. He continues to be um, living in a very uh, a very special category that most Americans will never achieve in terms of economics. What do they – how do they identify with him, Dr. Boone? Well, you know, that's a very good question, and I understand that 
it's a good question because that was a question we raised very early on. It's not Donald Trump per se. Okay. It's Donald Trump who expresses certain kinds of so-called non-PC uh, values. Okay. And he's expressing those values. And these folks, I'm prepared to argue, uh, see him as the vehicle they can ride their issues and make their issues known and make a loud statement about how they feel. I don't think it's Trump. I think if any of the other Republicans have jumped onto that kind of harsh rhetoric, I see. I think they too could have done that. Well, to your point, I saw a report recently from Associated Press where it was stating that after the, you know they take these polls after people officially vote, and there were very high unfavorable ratings of President-elect Trump. Okay, there were individuals I'm assuming who had both voted for him and voted against him. They weren't that crazy about his character, according to uh, these exit polling. So you make a valid point. I think then you have these individuals that voted for him, but it's almost as if you're right. It, they, it's not endorsing or excuse me, it's not endorsing or confirming Trump. It's more of the messaging. Interesting. Absolutely correct, because he, things he said, of course, those things I cannot imagine anybody, rational person, saying, yeah, we agree with all that. But he expressed these other things, that kind of anger, and they, that's what they wanted. They didn't want a person who was a, quote, usual politician. And as I've said, so the other the other 15 folk did not catch on to that early enough or were not prepared to go to that extreme. I see. Interesting. And and you pointed it out earlier at the top of the hour, but uh, speaking of draining the swamp, that was his big thing, of course, let's get rid of the Washington elite. Um, But so far, it looks like uh, many of the individuals uh, that's been placed on his transition team, at least, have been Washington insiders for years, correct? Absolutely correct. And up until until a very few days ago, many of them were lobbyists. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, and, and now, and I now, from my understanding, they have to sign a lobbying clause, right? That they, they, they're never going to be a, a, a lobbyist again. And I think the clause is they can't be one for ten years afterwards. They right, get, uh, yeah. you know, from working for his administration. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Something. Like, I don't know the exact details. I did understand that something like that is happening, but you know that. But you know, it, it's going to become very. I think one of the things that that hits Trump and some of his folk, especially his family people who are around him, uh, that governing is very, very difficult, and trying to select people to govern, help you govern, is extremely difficult. And and I think people whisper in his ears that look, those things that you were saying just don't cut it, especially in the area of foreign policy. The United States is not the only player in the pool any longer. I mean, it's not the major player as it thinks it is. Uh, so let's say if you decide to do away the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Pact, yes. uh, what you're going to do, what that does is open up that area for China to come okay. in and be the major player. Wow. And he, of course, spoke a lot about China during his uh, bid for right. presidency. Let's talk about his family before we head out. Um, as you know, the transition team does, um, actually, they're made up of his family members. And many individuals of the press and others have um, been very upset by that or have expressed their dismay with it, saying there's a conflict of interest. You know, uh, it seems like he has ran his campaign and running his transition team and looking like he run the administration like no other president has done in modern politics. Uh, where does this leave the legacy of his children, if you will, that they're the campaign for their father. Now they seem to be on the transition team. I do know the daughter of Anka said she will not be working for her father in an official role herself, but where would this leave for the legacy of their children and their business interests? Yeah, that, well, that, that too is a good question, an interesting question, because quite frankly, if indeed his children will be the ones running the company in his 
during his tenure, uh, then they, it, it seems to me to be very difficult to separate a, what they are running in his businesses and the kind of public policies that are needed to regulate businesses. That, that, this can be impossible. It's going to be impossible, and it can be it can, it can be very very dangerous. And I can see, and I think anyone can see some potential conflicts of interest. Uh, to imagine that Trump is going to wall himself off entirely from his business interests and his children will simply not seek him out in some fashion, formally or informally. And I think that in order to do something dramatic, he certainly needs to say, look, they're not going to be there, and they're not going to be acting in a formal or informal role. That's not going to happen. They're going to be there, and that's very evident uh, from the campaign right through this transition period, as you've just noted, that they're the ones having to make the determinations about who will serve in the cabinet, who will serve in other posts. Speaking of family, um, you probably have heard by now that the New York Post has said that his wife will not be joining him in the White House because the son, Barron, wants to finish the school year in New York. This seems to be unprecedented again. And the school year, of course, as many of us know, does not end for most American students until the month of May. Um, Will the Americans who voted for Trump, and I think you bring up a good point by saying it depends on where you are politically, but the ones who voted for him, do you think they would be upset or moved by them breaking tradition that she will not be joining her spouse in the White House, at least looking like now for a short period of time? No, I, I think the rationalization would be that she's the mother one who thinks of her family first, and that's most important. I think, I don't, I, I, those folks who support Trump, and I'm sure you saw the uh, very, very nasty comment that went around out of West Virginia in terms of yeah, the wife of Trump now being a classy woman as opposed to uh, Michelle Obama. Yes, I did. And, in fact, it was a mayor out of West Virginia, if I'm correct. Mayor of West Virginia and one other person in that administration. Yeah, I don't. I think I think they're prepared to accept her in any kind of in any kind of moves they make. I see. Uh, I really don't. Think, I think they're prepared to rationalize that she's correct. She's a mother. She's a ten-year-old son, and she should be there and let him do what he needs to do. You brought up uh, the name of President Barack Obama, the 44th president. He will be leaving mm-hmm. office in January, sending all of uh, the issues and everything dealing with America and the globe mm-hmm. over to President-elect Trump. Barack Obama himself seems to be in a very interesting spot. Now, he, of course, has taken a leadership role uh, so far, saying that, you know, we're going to make a peaceful transition of power. Mm-hmm. He's already met mm-hmm. with Trump, from my understanding, at least one time. Uh, yeah. Do you think that when it's all said and done, um, that the transition of power will be a peaceful transition? Well, I think it on the surface it will be. I mean, uh, Barack Obama has attempted to do that on the surface. Uh, Secretary of State Kerry has attempted to do that. But I do think behind the scenes there's a lot of, a lot of uh, tension that will build up because you, Trump is bringing in folk who are probably antithetical to a good many of things that this present administration has tried to accomplish and has accomplished. And, and, and one takes it just an example. I don't know if this suggests naivety on their part, their part that that's the Trump folk. When the Japanese um, came over to chat with Trump, the Trump people didn't feel necessary to even uh, contact the U.S. State Department. Uh, wow. That's an example of either naivete or just arrogance. You can take oh, it either wow. way. Tell me this. We know that Hillary Clinton lost the election to Donald Trump according to the electoral votes. But does this say anything about the legacy of President Barack Obama? Does it say more about him than it does Hillary Clinton or no? 
I think it's, I think see I'm prepared to argue that it says more about the way the campaign was conducted and how they missed out on losing the white suburban women, other white folk vote, as opposed to Barack Obama. Because if you look back now, Barack Obama's uh, approval ratings are fairly high for a guy leaving office. Yes. Uh, and and also, I, and I think some people would think this is minor, but hold in mind that 1.5 million voters should receive 1.5 or a little more votes than Trump, which is on the popular scale. So I think it speaks to the fact that at least what appears to be a plurality of Americans uh, supported uh, Obama's leg for Obama's program. I'm sorry, Obama's program, and wanted to hold that legacy intact through Clinton. So I think there's a mixed thing going here. I, I think when it comes down to let's take the Affordable Care Act or what is called Obamacare. Yes. Many of the features of that particular piece of legislation are beneficial to the very people who support Trump. So the Trump people, especially the Republicans, are not going to want to dismantle that in its entirety because if they do, they're going to alienate the, the influx of folk who are now voting for them and who are now see. giving them control of Washington. Let's talk about gender before you leave us. I know we spoke about race. We said overwhelmingly majority of right. uh, racial uh, minorities, African Americans and Hispanics, voted for Hillary Clinton. Now, I know uh, I have not heard uh, that gender has been covered by a lot of media outlets, but I want to propose the question. Do you think her gender played against her in any way? Yeah. Because I know people are saying, what's well, 2016, Shana? Right? We've had the first African American male president. But do you think there were some men that went into the voting booth and said, and I'm not saying this is true, but just proposing it, that America is not ready for a woman or they didn't want to be led by a woman. Is that a possibility from your that's perspective? A, that's, a ver- that's a very high possibility, Shana, because think about it. If you think, go, think back to the rallies that were held for Trump, Trump's rallies and interviews that were held with individuals who were supportive of Trump, many of them articulated, men and women, articulated this whole idea that a woman is not the kind of person who can be commander-in-chief. I mean, one, one woman even said outside of one particular rally, this is anecdotal, of course, that, uh, that you know, once a month, this, I mean, this is a woman saying this, once a month, you never can tell what she would do. She'd be off. Oh, point. wow. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a woman making this kind of statement. I see. So this whole business about sexism, uh, about patriarchy runs deep in America, and it infects not only males, but it infects females as well. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I want to say this because I, I have not heard, um, and maybe I'm missing it, but I have not heard major media outlets cover that. But And no. some people would say, well, maybe it didn't show up on exit polling. But would you say, Dr. Boone, that people may not always be as honest on oh, exit right. polling or other <laughs> polls or surveys, if you will, even though deep down inside they feel that way? Oh, right, without a doubt. Uh, when, we, when we do polling, you do know that indeed some people are just lying or not telling okay, you that's true. or hedging. <laughs> you do know that. I see. So you're saying, yes, that's always a possibility. Yeah, but I was just wondering if that, that was the case, if yeah. that was playing against her. Right. I mean, although it's it's ironic to say that in 2016 where we have seen other nations such as Germany, right. even India, and Israel have uh, nation leaders right. and that were females. And, and, and the president, uh, Elaine May over in, uh, Theresa May, I'm sorry, in Great Britain. Absolutely. Uh, and, right, in Sierra Leone. Yes, you know, we just in have Brazil, we can go world. on and on, yes. Right, all over the world who are heading their countries, but not this country. This may be the last bastion of uh, patriarchy 
in the attempt to suppress women as leaders. <laughs> Interesting. Always enjoy putting the spotlight on presidential politics and local politics with the one and only Dr. William Boone. Of course, he's a professor of political science out of Clark Atlanta University out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, before you leave, if I have to ask the question four years from now, I know that seems to be a long time away, especially when you're talking about politics. But do you think there's a chance that the Democratic Party could come back um, and take that White House again? I think it's shorter than that. Let's see what happens two years from now in midterm elections. Okay. If if the Democrats can turn some more seats in the House and turn a few more in the Senate, then I think the uh, two years from there will probably be a different story. Wow. Dr. Boone, it's always a pleasure to speak and talk about and break down the policy, if you will, or the topic of politics. Thanks for being on Let's Talk America Radio. My pleasure. Bold Favorite Magazine is the leadership lifestyle magazine highlighting bold people, organizations, and causes that inspire us to live fearlessly. Feature your business to our email list of 250,000 people all over the globe and on our engaged social media platforms. Bold Favorite prides itself on pairing your business with empowering articles and profiles to ensure you are seen and appreciated by people who want to support you. And bonus, advertise with us to feature your product on television programs produced by our parent company at no additional cost. Visit BoldFavorMagazine.com or call 866-611-3753 to get started today. The future favors the bold. Be fearless. Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America. Now, you know, here on the program, we put the spotlight on the people and the topics you want to hear. And I'm so excited right now to have one of the brightest stars of the art world industry, if you will, with us tonight. You know, he is an original, and he's neither the uh, classic or the myth of a starving artist nor uh, the commercial artist. Actually, his own words state, unquote, I am an extraordinary gentleman with an adventurous heart, but I'm no bohemian. Well, we've got to talk about that and so much more. <laughs> right now, I'm so excited and honored to have the one and only Eric McRae on Let's Talk America Radio. Eric, welcome to the program tonight. Thank you so much. Excited to have you on. Now, what a interesting and intriguing point that on that quote that you said. Tell us more about your art and how it influences who you are, or shall I say how your identity influences your niche in the art world. Well, and that uh, that statement, I said I'm no bohemian, meaning I'm not the uh, cliched artist that you see who's uh, uh, ragged on the edges and uh, 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 fits those kind of stereotypes of the uh, the unshaven. Uh, 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 I'm being nice. Uh, and then on the other end, I'm not the uh, uh, the uh, uh, ca- uh, commercial artist who just. Okay. Uh, my art is only produced for monetary gain and no other objective. I, I have a, a healthy balance I try to keep between art and commerce, that the artist must be an entrepreneur to be successful and understand that, that being able to sell your art and to build a career with your art uh, buys the artist time to create art. You cannot create art unless you have time. So thus, uh, having financial gain is, is relevant to affording you time to produce art. Uh, but on the other extreme, I don't glory in any kind of uh, idea of poverty or hardship. Uh, no, I think my, my art is an avenue for achievement, to grow, to express, and to communicate with and connect with the public. 
Wow, what an interesting concept, because often when we think of a creative form such as the art world, right, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, I'm not defined by anything. But often, uh, to your point, there are cliches out there where people will hang on to one side or the other. But you're mm-hmm. saying you want to break all of those stereotypes, if you will, um, that you're yeah. yourself, and it's okay yeah. to be yourself, right? Because you're saying take all the labels off, and artists can just be who they are, and that's okay. Exactly. And I think each artist has their own personal vision, but I think they, as a, in any individual, beyond being an artist, any kind of person who has a, uh, who's career-minded, goal-oriented, to really, uh, as I say, to thine own self be true, to find your place uh, in the world and how to most effectively achieve your goals while you serve others. Wow. You know, I know a lot of artists or painters, if you will, have a single style or a signature style they're known by. Mm-hmm. Now, Eric, I know you really describe yourself as a, having a range of style and imagery yes. through which you work up and back. You have to explain because we have a diverse um, listening audience here in, within the United States and outside the United States. Mm-hmm. And we love art. I'm sure most of our listeners do. I've gotten the feedback. But we're not very technical people, right? So when you say <laughs> imagery up and back, uh, in layman's terms, for people like Shana and the others, what exactly does that mean? Well, okay. Uh, when you say a certain artist's name, you say Ernie Barnes, the gentleman who did the artwork on Good Times, or you say Picasso or Claude Monet who painted the water lilies. And, and so you say a particular artist and you get a, a finite image. Now, that applies to me as well that I have a, a, a particular thing that people mainly know me for. But that's not a singular vision that I have because I believe there's no correct uh, uh, singular pictorial solution, meaning that as, as I can paint you or create in so many different fashions and different ways as long as my vision is sincere that in some way that art is able to go out and connect with a person. So I may draw something realistically. I may paint something abstract. I may paint something with color. Without okay. color, different subjects, uh, people, places, things. And the bottom line is that the artist is constantly producing, and that art then has a, a sincerity, and, the, and then the viewer is able to look at that work and, and receive something from it. My wow. objective is not to, to stump the public or be elusive. I don't want to pander. Well, okay. I don't paint. I don't paint car uh, dogs shooting pool or anything like that. Okay. You know that's kind of condescending, but the same or overly whimsical. But at the same time, I'm not trying to paint high end art or art that intentionally tries to stump the public, where the person comes up and look at it and goes like, "What in the world is that?" And they're befuddled. Um, I felt to a certain extent the artist has the responsibility of. Yes of connecting and communicating with the viewer. Wow. He is Eric McGray. He is based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And from his own words, as you can see, he doesn't want to be pinned in a box at all. He's redefining art in his own way. And don't you dare put a label on it. Now, you know, Eric, you've described some awesome um, angles of yourself. You can paint Mm -hmm. different forms of art, which is an amazing and a gift from my perspective. How long have you been doing this, and what is your training? Have you had professional training? Yes, I have a degree in art. I studied at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, and I received my Bachelor of Fine Art there. But I've been doing art my whole life. It's been my, I call it my my calling, my great obsession, my lifelong vocation. 
And uh, when I was in the first grade, I first started getting knowledge of having a gift. Oh, wow. And a teacher had asked me to, uh, uh, wanted to volunteer that with a bulletin board. And I remember doing something of Rumpelstiltskin, and the teacher was just so, so amazed that she went and, and gathered other teachers from the classrooms to see this bulletin board. Amazing. Now, I, I cannot remember what that looks like, but okay. I remember their faces and their reaction. And I had this kind of a Sir Isaac Newton moment where the apple hit me in the head, and I realized okay. that that my gifts and talents uh, extended and connected to other people, and that art is not just about a self-indulgence. Unfortunately, many artists look at it that way, but it is about a, a, a sincerity and a true expression of yourself. But the thing is, that does that go out and echo but out and, and touch others and impact them? So when I saw this, and, and it was something I joyously did, and no one had to tell me to create art. It was just my natural way of communicating. And that's been my lifelong journey, and uh, I've been creating art all, all my life, and I've had great accolades and successes and, and work in many collections nationally and internationally and in corporate museum collections. And I have lots of private collectors, and uh, people commission me to do art and as well as create uh, uh, purchase the pieces that I do create. So that's been my, my whole my, my life experience. Yes. It's just who I am. Wow, this is who I am, no labels. He is the well-known, acclaimed artist, Eric McRae. Eric, before you leave us, there are individuals listening right now. This is a family program, as you know. Mm -hmm. There's a 10-year-old listening in with their aunt. Maybe there's a 18-year-old trying to decide what to do with his life after high school. Maybe there's a 37-year-old man somewhere saying, I really don't like what I'm doing right now. I know I'm meant for something greater. Uh, but the hesitation, you know, to step out from what's comfortable to where they believe their destiny. Is. What would be your advice, your words of wisdom for someone at any age, or maybe it's a baby boomer or older, looking mm -hmm. to transition to the next level of where they belong, believe they belong? Well, I, you know, it's back to that, that quote, unto thine own self be true. I think so often uh, in, our, in American society, uh, creative people are ostracized, but we all benefit from the, the person who creates images on T-shirts to, to uh, computer apps to animated features to paintings and sculpture and, and furniture, all these things are benefits in our society from creative people. But when the when someone says, I want to pursue this as a career, we've got the, uh, unfortunately, many parents have the image of some starving artist. But yes, the, that's true. The, the software on your computer and images you see are created by some creative person who has an understanding of color and design and technology. So bottom line is that you have to be happy with yourself. So when you wake up in the morning and uh, you have to uh, put that folders in your cup and start your day, the question is what are you going to do? Are you going to do it to please yourself or please other people? The bottom line is can you meet, meet your needs and take care of your responsibilities? Okay. But that, that go get them has to come from the belly and from the heart. Wow. And uh, so, so the bottom line is to find something that makes you happy. And, um, and I, I, even though I do, did art all my life, it was a period there where I stepped away from it. Okay. Uh, and, and I used to work in the computer field. Wow. So I learned a lot about business and technology for about uh, so many years while I was still creating art, but I was working in technologies, and it was just not my cup of tea. I was miserable. I see. So then I went back to my art full time, and that's been the last 17 years. And... And so I took that leap more than once, 
and, and, and part of the reason I hesitated because I started to doubt myself. So then I had to basically reevaluate, reevaluate, and reassess who am I really and what am I supposed to do? And I think that's what a lot of people really need to do is say, okay, what makes me happy? And, and the biggest mistake you can make is to climb the ladder of success and realize you're cr- climbing the wrong wall. Oh, wow. Powerful point. Excellent information. Not just about the art world and himself, but also words of wisdom for all of us, regardless of generation. Eric, please let our national and international listeners know where they can go for more information about you, your artwork, and your passion. Well, you can go to ericmcray.com. My last name is spelled M-C-R-A-Y, McRae. And also I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's Eric McRae. Eric, thank you for being on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio. Keep making beautiful art. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. Have a great one. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. Stay tuned in. Welcome back, everyone. What a show tonight on Let's Talk America Radio. Remember, we offer new broadcasts weekly, not just on the Blog Talk Radio Network, but also on WAEC Love 860 AM radio station out of Atlanta, Georgia. We broadcast there on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out. Visit our website for more information. Again, that's www.ltaradio.com. We would love to have you on board, okay? If you have any show feedback to suggestions or recommendations, shoot us an email at admin at ltaradio.com. Again, shoot us a quick email at admin at ltaradio.com. Well, everyone, I hope you have one phenomenal Thanksgiving week and have quality time with your family and friends. Remember to connect with us on social media, especially Twitter. There we keep you informed with the latest news stories of the hour. A friendly housekeeping note that Let's Talk America Radio presents its very first community holiday food drive. Please support us no matter where you are, from San Diego to Brooklyn, New York, okay? Visit LTAradio.com for more information. And I would like to thank an amazing teamwork effort that occurred over this past weekend. Let's Talk America Radio had the opportunity to present the inaugural Celebration of Hope, a community benefit luncheon, and it was such a success. Thank you, everyone, for reaching out and providing the feedback. The planning committee was phenomenal. Thank you so much for all of your work, and I I would like to thank each of our performers and featured speakers and our keynote speaker, Cheryl S. Simpson, out of Houston, Texas. Thank you so much. So it was a great event to witness, and I want to congratulate the 2016 Community Award recipients as well. Stay with LTA Radio, okay? We certainly appreciate it. And remember to use hashtag LTA Radio when you do. Well, everyone, it's time to present our phenomenal music selection for tonight, and it belongs to a hip-hop gospel artist, Exalt. The name of the song song is We Gonna Ride, We Gonna Ride. Check it out. His music will close us out. A special thank you and hello to Nikki Smith out of Texas. Have one great week, and we shall see you soon. Stay informed. Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio is an entity at Pageant Thomas Enterprises, LLC. All content original, copyright 2016. For more information, please visit www.ltaradio.com. Yeah. We about to ride for Jesus tonight, West Coast style. Got my boy Seven, Jermaine Jackson, and super producer Orlando Williams. Hey, yo, oh, drop it on us. 
Off the ground on the interstate, hear that rumbling sound. All different bikes from all different nations, all different faiths. We all God's creations. Custom bikes with them custom trikes, chromed out choppers and them custom sport bikes. We riding for the good and we going through the hood, passing out toys to all the girls and boys, praying for the ones who don't know the sun. Motorcycle ministries to Jesus come, feeling the wind blow. Let's go. I'm on that Repsol rocking and you know I'm repping for that G.O.D. Riding with C.M.A. This ain't no part-time job. We saving souls like every day. Stopping by the Exxon to fill it up. And you know I'm putting cappuccino in my cup. Let's go. We gon' ride. We gon' ride. We gon' ride. 